yearning, genuine connections with others and having a structure where I would go to see people that I interacted with on a daily basis. So like I felt like my, and at the time too, this was, let's say like 2005 to 2008, around that time where when you told people that like you, like when I tried to explain to people like what I did for a living, like they didn't understand like what a blogger was. Great day, great day. You are listening to the Jerisha Said Podcast. Episode 86. Having the courage to start your own business and actually sell your consulting services online can be tough. Look, it may not be easy, but it can be simple. In each episode, we take a deep dive into one core growth strategy so you can gain a solid understanding of what's required to serve your clients, sell your services, and scale your consulting business online. All you have to do is listen to what Jerisha said. So if you are ready for a transparent, I'm talking all the way real, edge snatching strategies, grab your castor oil and keep listening. I am your host, former engineer, turned online high ticket sales coach, Jerisha Hawk. You probably chose to tune in today because you have a burning desire. You have had this idea of starting a coaching business and creating consistent revenue, but there's a gap. Something's missing. You are ready to raise your rates, but you lack the confidence with being able to attract an audience of high-end clients and sell them on your offer. That's why this episode today is brought to you by my signature program, Newly Enhanced Services That Sell. If you've been thinking about turning the skills that you currently have into a high-ticket, four-figure service that you can sell consistently, I encourage you to sign up for my free crash course training at jerishahawk.com backslash raise your rates. I'll make sure that you know everything that you need to not just deliver your services and help your clients get amazing results, but how to actually attract those types of clients and sell them consistently using very simple foundational sales strategies. This method has been developed specifically for those who don't have a large audience and who don't want to spend thousands of dollars trying to get complicated funnels to actually work. This is your time to gain the clarity that you crave to confidently sell your services online. Do not waste another minute. Visit jerishahawk.com backslash raise your rates today. Register for the next training and finally get an efficient plan that you can follow and implement so you can start selling your services. Visit jerishahawk.com backslash raise your rates now. Our guest today is a Canadian woman who has a ton of influence over here in the States. She's a blogger and content creator behind Toronto Shea, an Instagram page and blog that highlights all of the people, places, and things that she loves. She's also the proud co-founder of The Glow Up, a Facebook group that serves as a resource and international community of Black influencers who inspire and educate each other. And most recently, she started an influencer agency with her husband called Kensington Gray Inc. So today's guest is Shanae. 
And she's absolutely amazing in regards to what it is that she's been able to accomplish within her business. I think oftentimes we hear of individuals who, I want to become an influencer, and they you grow this large following on social media, you know, you have a ton of influence, a large community, but how are we best monetizing and leveraging that audience and leveraging that influence? And today's guest, Janae Ingleton, was able to leverage her influence right into an agency where she now represents other influencers. It's quite amazing her story. So continue listening and you're really going to enjoy this one. So before we dive into today's episode, I want to do something that is the most important thing of today. And that is by recognizing you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing over on my Instagram on Instagram stories or on Facebook. I appreciate you listening. And the more that you listen, download, subscribe, and share, the more episodes that we're able to create for you. So I want to give a listener shout out. And this one goes to Nayla Thorpe. She said this podcast is amazing. Jerisha is very informative and I always look forward to the next episode. Nayla, thank you so much for tuning in, for being a loyal listener. And if you would like to leave a review, make sure that you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen and leave a review. I might just give you a shout out on a future episode. So I won't make you wait any longer. Let's get on into it. Well, Shanae, I am so excited to have you on today. A mutual friend was able to connect us and Pollyanna, who's also been on the podcast. She's always really great at putting good people together. So thank you so much for making the time and coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Well, I know, I think many of us or some people in our audience might know you for the work you've been doing as an influencer and as a content creator, but I'm really interested. Can you take us back to when you were like in your, in your early twenties, when you were still working full time and kind of what were your entrepreneurial aspirations back then? So in my early twenties and I was working full time, I actually had, I've kind of always been entrepreneurial. So I worked at a luxury department store when I was in university and I really loved what I did. It was working in sales and I was making commission. I was really making great money, but of course I was spending it all on items in the store. So when I graduated from university and I got a job in my field, uh, I studied finance. I realize, oh my Lord, like this, it's not like Ally McBeal. It's not like you, you know, going to the, like sex in the city where you go to the office and everybody's fabulous. And like, you can wear like heels and these amazing outfits and be in these boardrooms. And it wasn't what I imagined. And I very quickly became sort of disengaged and sort of disheartened and realized that just that really stuffy and conservative atmosphere wasn't for me. So I started a social network called What Women Want. And it was basically a blog that came to life in a, in a, in quarterly events where women would get together and they would sort of shop and, and, you know, drink cocktails and kind of congregate and, and get to know each other. And um, at the time, this was in the early 2000s, like 2004, 2005, that was like a very new concept. And it kind of stemmed from my background working in luxury retail sales, where they would oftentimes do events like that. And people would literally line up out the door just for this free gift peg and the opportunity to shop and sip cocktails. So I was like, you know what, why don't I recreate that just for like everyday women like me that have, you know, nine to five jobs 
and they're not necessarily inspired by what they're doing every day, but then this is something they could look forward to a few times a year to get dressed up and meet other women that are like them and connect and socialize, et cetera. So that was like in the early 2000s and it did really well. And, and, and I actually ended up leaving my job in finance to do that full time, but very quickly I realized that, you know, there was a lot more to being an entrepreneur than just having a good idea and getting people to, you know, show up at your events and creating a community. There were issues that I had like with cash flow and one month say I would make $20,000 and then the next month I would make $2,000. But every month I was spending like I was making $20,000. So about a year into doing that full time, I realized very quickly that I um, needed to find a job and needed to to get go back into the corporate world where I had a little bit more security and stability and where I could like learn what it really meant to be to run a business and to learn sort of the other side of things. So am I like running on? I feel like I'm like no, running, running is, on. So this is is this what you're looking for? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, so this is super. So, I, yeah, well, I had a question though. Like so, just to make sure that I'm following along here because yeah. I think. What you're expressing is something that many of our, you know, somebody who's listening to this right now, and even myself, when I first started, my first goal was build a community and host events. And it sounds like yeah. your events were at least profitable from the beginning. They were, um, yeah. Which I think is a challenge for many individuals when they start doing events. But were there any other services that you provided besides the quarterly events that contributed to the cash flow at the time? So I was running, I had a blog and at the time, um, it was in the very, like the dawn of like the digital era where brands were still buying like display ads on blogs. So like I would sell like big box ads and like leaderboard ads on my blog for like a monthly fee to uh, businesses as well as to like large corporate clients. So like, you know, Universal Music, for example, was one of my clients. Coca-Cola was one of my clients. I also got those brands to sponsor my events too. So I would get money from sponsors in addition to charge charging a fee for tickets to go to my events. And it actually did pretty well. Like I, I, I was able to to make money, but the the thing was, is like, I'd have one event, um, like I'd have an event every three months and I just didn't strategize properly and think things through enough to make sure that, you know, I had cash flow coming in, in between those events. Yeah. And, and then I was, you know, of course in my twenties and like living in the moment and like, you know, like living, like you only live once. And <laughs> yeah. so I would go and buy like outfits and like shoes or go on trips with the money that I made during January and then February and March, I'd be like eating macaroni and cheese every day. So that I, until my next event. <laughs> so it was, so the events were successful, but it was like a yeah. lack of understanding in the cash flow. And then yeah. you, you went back to corporate America to kind of. Yes regain the bearings and like, how? I know there's somebody listening to this right now who started a business, found success, but then had to go back. How were you emotionally? And like, how did, you know, and kind of maybe how did going back to corporate actually position you to be in a better business position today? Yeah. So I was actually excited to get back into the corporate world, believe it or not. So the whole entrepreneurial world. I loved it. I loved, you know, being in control of my time initially and like being able to like 
go out at night and then sleep in the next day and not have to worry about going to work in the morning. Or I loved all of that. Like I loved the freedom and the autonomy that it gave me. But after a couple of months, I started to get really lonely and depressed because I was alone most of the time. And then, and then I'd have these events where I was having very surface level and superficial conversations with people. And I started to find myself yearning genuine connections with others and, and having a structure where I would go to see people that I interacted with on a daily basis. So like, I felt like my, and at the time too, this was, let's say like 2005 to 2008, around that time where when you told people that like you, like when I tried to explain to people like what I did for a living, like they didn't understand like what a blogger was like, so you're a blogger and you do events. Like they just, people just didn't really understand it. I didn't even really understand how to explain it. So I found that I didn't really fit into a lot of like professional conversations. Like when I was in professional environments, people sort of like didn't understand what I did. And, and as a result, sort of like d- dismissed it as, oh, that's not really a real job. Yeah. So I was excited to go back to work and regain credibility and like build my confidence back up as well. So, and then have that structure, a regular paycheck, all that stuff. And the good thing about it was that through all of the things that I learned, like selling advertisements on my blog, learning how to you know, sell sponsorships at events, learning how to bring people out um, and bring, spread awareness about you know, an idea or concept and get people sort of excited about things, that helped me pivot from my career in finance to a career in advertising and marketing. So when I went back to work, my first job was working um, at a company that created special sections in one of Canada's, in a few of Canada's largest newspapers. So I was selling advertisements, so like actual like newspaper ads in those special sections. And so I was basically taking the skills that I learned selling sponsorships on my, through events in my blog to selling advertisements in traditional media. And so I did that at one company and then I left that company and went to Rogers Media, which is Canada's equivalent to like, I would say Time Warner and Condé Nast combined. So Rogers owns like the, the all, like the majority of the biggest magazines, like fashion magazines and lifestyle magazines and sports magazines in the country. And they also owned the largest t- television networks or some of the largest television net- networks and the largest radio networks. And, and they had like the biggest morning show at the time and, Um, A lot of the biggest websites. They're a huge media. (laughs) So I left that job and worked in integrated media sales at Rogers Media, where my job was to sell advertisements into and integrations, almost like product placement on like morning on our morning shows and on our um, television shows and in our radios, radio shows, etc., and in our magazines. And so I basically learned all forms of media through that job and how much money too these corporations had and were willing to spend on advertising. I, I understood better how the, um, the business worked. So that it was, it was exciting. And all of a sudden now I was like excited to tell people about what I did for a living. I was given, I was, I guess, 
I think people viewed what I was doing all of a sudden as being more credible. And because it was a sales role that was commission-based, in a way, I was, it was like a, I was running my own business. Like I had a block of business and a block of clients and a budget um, where I was overseeing uh, $3, 4000000 million of, of business and responsible for bringing in that much revenue every single year. And so I had to plan, I had to engage clients and re-engage clients. I had to replace business. I had to um, manage cash flow in terms of if one advertiser dropped out that that, that um, wasn't planning on advertising again, I had to replace that budget with a new advertiser and go out and like find new business. So like I was learning everything from new business development to strategy to negotiating to pricing. It was very exciting to me. And then on top of that, I was working with some of the most prestigious brands in the country. So I was um, having conversations with senior level people at Fortune 500 companies. And I gained a lot of confidence and a lot of skills that have that helped me to be successful when I ended up deciding to leave that job. Yeah. What I'm doing today. Like the thing that I'm hearing or like the thread is like, there's I think a lot in today's world, many people are like, just go start a business, fake it till you make it. And it was like, no, go back and actually learn the credit, like, yeah. get the actual experience so you can have the confidence when it comes time to you doing it on your own. Yeah. Um, and like, you can earn money. I, I love the fact that it's, uh, I think a lot of us, or at least in our space, or at least in my world, a lot of people think that going back and getting a job or having a job is a bad thing. And that you need to just go out and be your own entrepreneur. And there's so much you can learn from the corporate environment while still making money. And those are transfer skills that will position you when you do go into your business. And amen. The right. Like, and the skills that I keep hearing you saying is like, you got really good at sales and you understood the business behind the business. Exactly. And like, I have heard you say sales. I don't know how many times through and what, how do you think like your better understanding of how to negotiate and navigate just the whole sales landscape and be able to position yourself and to know what to ask for and to confidently be able to do that? Like, how has that helped you? Or at least how do you feel that that's shown up for you when it came to once you left again to build, it's the glow up as well as you and your husband have an agency together now? Yes. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit more about those two and how those skill sets has helped, like has been transferable for you. So those skill sets literally are everything. So the things that, that helped me as a creator. So I decided to become, so I got, and so during that whole process, I ended up getting married and um, having a baby. And fortunately in Canada, you, we get mat leave in Canada is one year. So you get a full year off. I might need and to come on up to Canada. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I I have girlfriends in you know the the U.S. and uh, some of them had their babies like three, four, five months after I had my baby, and were back at work before I even went back mm-hmm. to work. And it was just yeah, it was a little. I just yeah, I just it's that's something that was crucial to help me start my business as well. And I think it's also the reason why um, there are so many women business owners in um, Canada too, because they, you know, that's, it's a great opportunity for women to sort of pivot and, and rethink um, the next phase of their career as, you know, as mothers. So during that one year that I had off um, on mat leave, you know, I obviously focused on 
bonding with my daughter Kensington and and raising her. But I had pretty much had a job and worked since I was 14 years old up until that time. So I was like, okay, now I have this time to build a business and to sort of rethink my future. So when she was napping or when we were on walks, I really thought about that stuff. And and that's when I started creating content again as like an influencer and sharing that socially. And it really started to take off. And then I was went back to work after after the one year and I was doing both uh, for for that one year. And with at Rogers Media, you know, I was responsible for sales. It's Etc. But I was working for you know magazines, so oftentimes I was working with editors, etc., and a lot of creatives and photographers and writers, etc. So I understood the importance of creating quality editorial content and how when you create quality editorial content, you attract advertisers that want to align with you. So for me, when I first started, it was just really important for me to create compelling content, stuff that people would get really excited about and that would be engaging, and then the advertisers would come. And, And that's essentially what happened. So once advertisers started to come, I was prepared. So I had a media kit. I was able to speak authoritatively about how much I wanted to be paid for certain asks. I was able to pitch myself to the brands that I wanted to work with. So it made things very, very easy. And I also understood and knew which brands have considerable budgets and which brands probably don't and and might just want to offer you something for free. So I knew where to sort of focus my efforts and um, and when I was doing this, my girlfriend in New York at the same time was also getting putting getting her feet wet in the blogger world, but her background was like in PR and fashion. So we shared information back and forth with each other, each other on a regular basis, and we were learning from each other. And in doing so, we both realized the impact that it had on our ability to be successful and our ability to book business and on our ability to grow. So we were like, look at like the fact that we've shared and been so open with each other. Like it has helped us tremendously. Imagine if we open it up to like all like bloggers like Mm -hmm. that we know. So we started to reach out to all of the black influencers that we knew in the industry. And at the time it was like maybe 12 or 13. And then we encouraged them to reach out to all the bloggers they knew. So then we very quickly grew the group to over, we have about 200 women now, and they're all influencers of color, all black women influencers. And we are very, very candid. And we are very, very open with each other about things like rates, about pricing. And it's helped all of us uh, tremendously. And so my background and what I did in, in finance uh, was a, a, my sort of my unique quality in the group because I was able to help women price themselves competitively so that they weren't undervaluing themselves. Because a lot of times what brands do is they'll send you an offer that is considerably low, hoping that you don't know better to ask for more, to negotiate more. And they're just doing their job when they do that. But if you don't understand that that's what's happening, you are leaving tons of money on the table, sometimes thousands of dollars. So we, um, so that was my sort of role in how to like educate people to do that. And then we had other women in the group that educated people on, you know, the art of photography, on the art of storytelling, on the art of 
building your audience and creating a community. So we'd oftentimes have like sort of like mini masterclasses and, and um, mini Facebook live sessions where we would talk about those things and where we would help each other. And, and then also too, we would just openly come like share posts in the group when a brand came to us and say, XYZ brand has approached me and they're offering me a thousand dollars for this. Is this fair guys? Has anybody else ever worked with this company? Are we, are we, are they, are they offering me a fair price? Like, should I ask for more? And then everyone would chime in with tips and, and advice. And then, and then the person would come back and be like, Hey guys, I got them to like triple their offer based on your advice. Thank you so much. And like, and that was like the, that's, that was like the ongoing conversation in the group. That is like amazing. And I just love that there's over the last five, six, seven years is all of your skills and your desires and passions have shown up in different areas, but it's all been kind of, you've been in the same lane and just maybe slight pivots or adjustments and how your skill sets have shown up and how that has been expressed in the business. So what kind of inspired you and your husband to create the influencer agency where now you'll be, this is more of like a direct service outside of influencer and content creation. Like it's a different business model, but how does that adjustment feel and how you're yeah. not using your services and, and also trying to approach clients? Yeah. So, so our clients are all, our, the influencers that we work with, all of them are like the ones that are signed with exclusively to us, they're all based in the United States. And so the influencer work that I do in Canada is it's Canadian. So it's a bit separate, but, but the way that that came about was actually through the glow up. It was through our group. We girls kept on coming to me on the side saying, Hey, so-and-so reached out to me. They're offering me this much. And can you help me negotiate this deal? And then I would jump in and start negotiating the deal. And it got to the point where these, I was getting, helping these girls, you know, secure more money than they had ever secured on their own. And they were like, Hey, like, can you manage me? Like, can you like, and I was just like, no, no, I'm just, I'm not, I I was at the time I was working my job and I was doing the influencer stuff. Obviously had a family that required my full attention and I was a mom. So it just didn't make sense. And then the Forbes caught wind of what was happening in the glow up. And, and published an article on the group and that story kind of went viral. And as a result of that, I had like literally hundreds of women reach out to me asking me if I could manage them. And that's when I was like, you know what? I think maybe we're onto something here. So that's when I had a serious conversation with my husband, Sean, who also worked in media and advertising. And I said, I think that we could actually start an agency here. We've got some pretty big names that are asking to work with us. Let's just give this a try. So we took a leap of faith and I left my job to become a full-time influencer. And, um, and then we started Kensington Gray like a couple months after that. And my husband also left his job as well to support me. And we, and he handles more like the operations and the strategy and like the bigger picture stuff and like the organization stuff. And then I work directly with a lot of like the influencer talent, like recruiting influencers, a lot of negotiating contracts, et cetera. And, and it's honestly, it's done very, very, very well from the, like literally from the get go. And yeah, it was like a, it was a sort of a leap of faith, but it was like an educated and informed leap of faith. So, so yeah. 
episode, I want to talk about automation and systems for a second. Seriously, isn't it about time that you stop manually doing everything in your business? If you're in the business of booking clients, there are certain tasks that you have to repeat often. Booking discovery calls, scheduling coaching sessions, and doing follow-up touch points. If you are repeating a task over and over again in your business, you should automate it. Acuity Scheduling is my favorite system, not just because they sponsored today's episode, but because they helped me automate all of those client interactions. With Acuity Scheduling, you'll never ask what time works for you again. Clients can quickly view your real-time availability, and it even integrates with your Google Calendar. And they can self-book their own appointments, reschedule with a click, and even pay online. You can even use Acuity Scheduling to book appointments on social media. You heard me right. With your Facebook business page or IG's booking button, your followers are literally just a click away from scheduling through your social media profile. Seriously, I could go on and on about how easy Acuity Scheduling makes it for me to keep up with my clients despite my busy schedule. But what's even better than me telling you is you seeing for yourself. For a limited time only, you can get 45 days of Acuity Scheduling absolutely free. No credit card required. Just go to acuityscheduling.com backslash Hawk Hustle to check it out for yourself. That's acuityscheduling.com backslash Hawk Hustle for your free 45-day trial. Go get on it. I mean, like kind of, again, like hearing and hearing you express the story, you you do a really good job of listening to the demand of your audience and listening, like having a really good pulse on like the dynamic of what's happening in your industry. And it's like, you respond really well to it. And even just hearing all this, people are coming to you, you show up and you present yourself and you're being consistent with your content. You're being consistent with the quality and the excellence that you are delivering you know, you're providing value on a consistent basis um, and doing that even before the, ad, you know, the advertisers were coming to you, like you presented yourself the way that you want it to be perceived. And then everybody else kind of followed suit um, mm-hmm. would make the ass based off of it, which I just think that that's something that's very admirable. And it, I'm not surprised that like, you know, people were knocking at your door. They see you being successful and you already had created such a dynamic community offering resources and filling a gap in the industry. Like, I, so how do you adjust and it, like maybe spend your time now? Like how do you juggle managing other clients um, and still being able to manage yourself as a business with the influence and the advertising that's coming your way now? So I just consider myself, it's weird, but I just consider myself like my own, like a client. Yeah. So when we work with about a dozen influencers and Sean and I sort of like split up the roster and then I like manage my own myself. So all of my inquiries that come in, I negotiate them myself. I review my contract, et cetera. And then I do the same for the woman, the other woman on our roster that we work with. And um, we have somebody that does focuses on new business development. So they reach out and that's like a crucial aspect for us. So we have somebody that does outreach and reaches out to businesses, shares our roster with businesses. I also do like outbound pitches, like when opportunities come down the pipe, like some always like, like combing like press releases and things like that. So when like a brand is released a new 
product or they're launching a new product, I try to find out who like the marketing director is or whoever is responsible for social media. And I find out if they have a social media strategy and if they're looking to partner with influencers. I also come up with like, t- like concepts. So I'll reach out to like brands and come up with like a concept that I think would be a really great fit with their product or service and and I pitch like an influencer strategy around that. We've been successful with that. We just recently did one of those with Capital One. Mm. Uh, was about surrounding credit education week. So we found four different women uh, with you know unique stories and histories related to finance, and uh, we filmed and captured photography in a like a one day session. And um, they all told their stories um, through, you know, Instagram posts and then through an Instagram video. And then we also like did like an, had an advertising plan that like amplified that content all across social media um, during credit education week. And they all told like their true and authentic stories. And in that case, I was one of the influencers that was always also on the campaign. Mm -hmm. But then we also like, we're working on a not-for-profit campaign right now that, once is trying to drive um, donations and awareness um, around a charity that supports women and girls. So, so yeah, for that, I'm not a part of that. We actually have three, three women that we work with are actual like refugee survivors. Mm -hmm. So we selected them for the campaign where they are telling their, they tell their story about, you know, surviving a refugee camp. In one case, one of the girls had to shave her head to pass as a boy and, um, and just basically talked about her journey out of, you know, that situation and then coming to, to Canada and basically living the life that she dreamed of. And, um, and then that sort of like aligns well with the campaign's messaging. And then the call to action is to get people to donate to this cause because, you know, she's living proof that these those types of programs actually do work and um, and help women so so I'm obviously not a part of that campaign Um, but yeah so like there's we we do a lot of we do everything so how how do I what is a day in a life like it's like a lot of multitasking a lot of emails a lot of like negotiating we have like regular status calls with people and then also too like just do we do different brand building things and and this, like an interview like this is one of them. Last night I was speaking on a panel with a, an agency called Hashtag Paid. I go to like most fashion weeks uh, to meet with other women and to meet with like our roster. And I try to like travel to different places. Um, earlier this year I was in Paris and then we went to Morocco. And um, I was like in New York and Atlanta just to just sort of see what's going on and to get in- inspired. Mm-hmm. And, and then I, it's also a content capturing opportunity for me also as an influencer. Yeah. Well, I'm just like, and kind of before we wrap up, I'm just interested to know, is there kind of what's worked for you and worked for your clients when it comes to being able to secure some of these larger contracts, you know, four figures, it's great. You know, and but it, what, is there a real differentiator between what allows you for yourself or for your clients to be able to secure those five figure contracts? And yeah, in, any insight on that? I'm just kind of what's worked from, cause you've talked like your skills have definitely uh, built upon each other. And I love the fact that there's a, you know, go learn it for yourself through experience or hire somebody like you to help, you know, when they don't know how to do this on their own. Like, but where do you see the main difference in representation or whatever, when it comes to being able to secure those larger contracts and those five yeah. contract deals? 
When you are unique and genuine and authentic and you are obsessed about providing value for your audience, you will grow and you will have like a tribe that really like follows you and is super engaged and is really here for your content. And when you really pay attention to detail and you know, your content is really quality, um, brands can, well, they, that stuff is what they look at. And that's what, that's the stuff that's measured. If you have a demonstrated ability to convert people from your being your followers to actual purchasers of either your product or, or your service or whatever, and you can demonstrate that brands love that stuff. And that's where they're, they'll like put pretty much put like the money on a platter for you. So the people that are genuine, they're authentic, they gen- like they have a tribe and we have like all sorts of like systems that we use to like to look at people's engagement percentages and and to see like you know their their growth rate etc and um and we can just even just with like just look at their comments we look at their stories like we look at we see how they interact with their audience when you have that special quality brands find you and and they want to you know build a long-term relationship with you and when you don't have that, they might, you know, you'll still be able to work with brands. I'm sure there's people that do that, but then it might be more of like a one-off type relationship. So those like six figure and five figure deals typically come because you have like a super engaged following that, you know, when you speak, they listen and, and that's reflected in your numbers and your percentages. And that's something that we can clearly demonstrate to brands. And as a result, we're able to command certain dollar amounts because of that. Yeah. And um, yeah. And that's sort of like where it comes from. And then from there, also other opportunities come where brands don't just want you as like an influencer, but they want to feature you in a campaign. Like, you know, one of our clients, Karen Britchick, she was just featured in a campaign with um, J. Crew, And um, she was in that campaign with like models and stuff like that. But she is one of those people who's genuine, who's authentic, who doesn't just take every single opportunity that comes to the door, who, who, who's, who aligns with brands that truly um, align with her values. And, uh, and she's also obsessed with providing value for her audience. It's uh, when you see, when you start to like pay attention to that and look at that, you'll, you can sort of, it separates the, the people that will go far in this business from the people who are probably going to be a little bit more temporary. Yeah. And I love that because it's, it's focusing on understanding how the conversion aspect works, understanding your metrics, aligning your messaging and your content with that and having somebody on your behalf to be able to properly help you communicate that too. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I guess I wrap up, you know, we're finishing out the decade as we're recording this and we're about to roll Mm -hmm. into a new year. I'm curious to know, like we hear a lot, we've learned a lot about what you've been doing for others and how you've been building community. But like, I'm just curious to know what are you personally doing to invest in yourself and like kind of what is your personal development goals going into the new decade and going into the new year? So yeah, this has been like a really crazy year for me having started a business and also to like my personal business taking off. I truly, honestly, I want to focus because a lot of that has sort of come at the expense of like my own personal and like mental 
at the, yeah, at the expense of like my mental health and just personal well-being in some cases, like, you know, sleepless nights and working around the clock and just like completely just going really, really hard, which was necessary for that. I needed to do that to launch the business. So 2020, I want to just like focus a little bit more on that buzzword self-care, but like, I want to focus more on me. Like I want to travel a little bit more just like for the sake of just traveling and, 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 and disconnecting. I want to, you know, get back in the gym cause I haven't, I haven't really been working out. Like maybe I want to start like meditating just like, I want to do a few things to like relieve stress. Cause I just don't think that that going hard and no days off and like that just like that mentality. I just don't think that that's healthy or sustainable. So it's necessary at times for sure. But now I think I need to just come like real back in just a little bit and, and take some time for me and, and focus a little bit more like on, on family, because the last thing that I ever want to do is be that person who has this wildly successful career, tons of money in the bank, but strained relationships with the people that are most important to me and even just, you know, strained mental like state, like in a strained and stressful, just aura. I want to be like happy and just a little bit more balanced because it's can be really stressful, like with entrepreneur life. So like, I want to just focus a little bit more on me. Yeah, I love that. Um, well, I know there's listeners who are probably sitting on the edge of their seat or like gripping their steering wheel so tight because this was so good. Um, but where can we learn more about you? Where can we follow along with you? How do we get in contact with you if somebody's listening and is like, Shanae, I need to be in your world? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. Um, I'm at Toronto Shay on Instagram and that's T-O-R-O-N-T-O-S-H-A-Y. And, um, and then also too, um, you can follow our business pages, uh, Kensington Gray is our agency and it's Kensington Gray, Gray spelled the Canadian way. So, um, G R E Y and, and then also to the glow up has an Instagram page as well with instructions on how you can apply to the group. If you're interested in applying, um, to be a part of that community and yeah, and that's it. And it's the Glow Up Inc. on um, Instagram, but both pages are, are are like linked on my personal Toronto Shea Instagram page. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being candid, keeping it real, um, and kind of peeling back the layer on how your journey has been. Um, we really do appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. Hey there, Hawk Hustler. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening today. If you are ready to turn your side hustle selling services into a profitable online coaching or consulting business, visit jerishahawk.com backslash workshop. Within just one hour of this free masterclass, yes, free 99, you will have a proven framework to convert not just better clients, but more clients who are willing to pay top dollar consistently. Visit jerishahawk.com backslash workshop and I will see you there.